So we're still in this, we're in the second week of this Francis Chan study called The Heart of God. And last week we talked about the holiness of God. And this week we are talking about uh, God's mercy. And we'll just go ahead and show the video and then we'll get to talking about series we're teaching through this passage in the book of Exodus. The thing you've got to recognize about Exodus is this is the very beginning of the Bible. Everybody hear that? And so these are not people that are like us where we have thousands of years of biblical history to look at. So I, I can I can dig through this and go, oh, look, that's what he said to Job. Oh, that's look what he did to David. Look, look what he said through Jeremiah. Look what he said through Jesus. It's, it's just all of these years of history. These people don't know these things about God. They don't have that advantage that you have. So oh, some of them, all they knew was that Moses, this human being, was actually going to get to go up to this mountaintop and meet with God, as we described last week. Remember, a human being walked up a mountain, and the rest of the people, they weren't allowed on that mountain. In fact, if they touched the mountain, they would die. And so Moses, this representative going up and he was going to hear from God and come down and tell them about this God. It, it kind of reminds me, I don't know if you've ever seen like movies where that, you know, like uh, where they're not even sure what this God is like and what would appease him or that they may make, oh, gosh, we're going through all this trouble. This God must be angry. What do we need to do to appease him? You know, it's, it's like they really don't know. And so Moses, you know, has just prayed. He goes, God, I want to see you. I want, I want to know you. And, and he's going up there. And the people, I mean, I think if we saw, we would have just assumed there's no way he can survive that. He walked into a fire. And, and you hear this voice thundering from heaven. And so when you get to Exodus 34, you have the people who are, 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 are waiting. You know, what is Moses going to say? What is Moses going to hear from God? And so imagine what, what they must have felt when Moses came down. He could have said anything. He could have said, I just spoke to our creator, that one in the fire, and he is so angry, and we are going to be punished soon. He could have said that. We have no control over what God is like. Moses just saying, I just want to know what your heart is like. I want to know you. And God answers him, and here's what he says. In Exodus 34, verse 6, it says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful. Can you imagine? You watch this man walk out of a fire, 
after being on this mountaintop with God and you're like, what do you say? What is he like? And the first thing that God wanted them to know is I'm merciful. I actually who I am as a person who the idea of mercy is I should punish you but I'm not going to. I'm actually going to show mercy upon you. I'm actually going to not give you what you deserve. That's who I am. I'm a God who is. I mean, that must have been the greatest news. I mean, some of us, we grew up in church, so we're used to hearing, oh, yes, God is a God of mercy. But but you got to understand, when you understand for the first time, he actually wants to forgive. He, there's actually who he is as a person, a being that in his heart, in Ephesians 2, he talks about how all of us have done things that are so offensive to God. We do whatever we feel like doing. He says that we follow the passions of our minds and our hearts, and we're just following the course of the world. It is because of that, you are by nature children of wrath. So, so that means because I just follow me and my desires rather than him, he goes, I deserve his wrath. I mean, it's a very ugly picture where he says all of us are like zombies just going and doing what we enjoy, not caring about what he wants. And, and, and because of that, then for this God, for him to be fair, he should punish us. So we are children of wrath, children just awaiting the end of our lives till God punishes us. But verse four, it says, but God being rich in mercy. That is one of the most beautiful phrases to know that God is rich in mercy. And even before that, though, you've got to see in in verse five, it says that uh, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. So so first, when Moses is saying, I I want to see you, and and God says, we can't see my face and live, because I want to know you, tell me about you, I want to know your ways, because I want to please you. It says that God descends. He answers Moses' prayer, just descends. And it says he stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. There's something so powerful and sacred about that moment. You have a God who descended down, and the actual word is that he stood with him. We don't know what that means. It just gives this picture of an actual real person. It's not person like we talked about last week, not person like you and I, just normal flesh and blood, but a holy being, but a personal God who's revealing himself. And the first thing he's saying is, I'm a God of mercy. I don't know what you've done in life. We all have secrets and we all have things that we know we deserve punishment for, things we're embarrassed of, ashamed of. And it's hard for us to believe that we could just be forgiven of those things. 
But you've got to go beyond your feelings and go, no, this is what God says about himself. His heart is to forgive because he's a God of mercy. He wants to forgive you today. Barb, didn't you ask last week what uh, what God would look like? Like, what do we think? Were you yeah, the one that asked? Like, like, yeah. Yeah. I just think it's neat that, uh, you know, what he said, that, that verse that he said, uh, Exodus chapter 34, verses, six. verse 6, he says, The Lord, the Lord, a, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Just thinking, like, I don't care. After reading that, I don't care if he's flesh or spirit or what. He's, you know, he's merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's that's good enough. You know, that's that's a good that's a good word. So, but it is interesting to think about what he'll actually look like. Wait, I found something. Please tell. Okay, I was reading in I forgot to research this. I said I was going to do it, and I didn't. So I'm glad you did it. Um, it was talking about God as the ancient of days in vision. In uh, his clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head pure, like pure wool, which reminded me of Jamie's description. <laughs> but it does seem like it, you know, it comes from right here. So, and then I was like, well, is that I think there's an, and I, mean, I really did mean to look it up and it totally slipped my mind, but I think there's a description in Revelation what John saw, right? Does anybody remember that? And it's similar to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we'll see him in physical form, personally. So Francis opened this session by pointing out that Exodus occurred at a time when followers of God didn't have access to thousands of years of biblical history as we do. Their knowledge of God was different from ours. They didn't have a Bible like us. So the question is, what can we learn from the Israelites who didn't have the Scriptures about listening to and obeying God. And if anybody was sitting in Sunday school with John Rowland the other day, I almost brought this up. We were talking about Paul and all the things that Paul did. And we have great advantage over Paul in that we have more, we have written documentation of God's faithfulness. Of course, he had the whole Old Testament, but uh, these Israelites didn't have anything. They were, they were living out the story as it was happening. So, and many, we have great advantage over them uh, in that we've seen hundreds, possibly thousands of accounts of God's faithfulness in, in His Word, and they didn't have that. So what can we learn from the Israelites who didn't have the Word about listening to and obeying God? One thing is, I'm actually in the ex uh, Exodus right now, is where I'm trying to get back to the Bible again, because that's where I'm at. And, uh, and I was just got to read about Pharaoh and how God hardened his heart, but that whole story. But 
one of the things that I think about too is like you know, it comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. And so it's like they didn't have as much back then, so they actually had less to go on than have faith. So it's like they had faith even in the hard times than what we have sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, so it's just it's kind of strange. So I, I share the thing on I'm on Facebook now. I have Facebook. I share the thing. So what if we treat the Bible the way we do our friends? The guy gets out of bed and picks up the Bible and opens it. You know what I mean? He's just sitting there and like he's in the bathroom reading the Bible. Yeah. Like, they didn't have that. Yeah. So it was like they have the stories and rumors and hearsay mm-hmm. passed out from families. So. And they still were obedient. Maybe not some of the time. They should have, <laughs> otherwise it would have took 40 years. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the next question is in what ways is having the Bible a special privilege? That should be a pretty easy one to comment on. Like we li- I just think we live in such a unique time that we have the privilege of ha- having the word in our language specifically because there's still places in the world that don't you know so something that we you know sometimes disregard unfortunately is that we have this and other people that are alive right now on this earth I think it's something like 3,000 people groups don't have the word of God written in their language I think it's I don't think that's a far off number um we have it. We have we have no excuse to not know God, you know, because we have it right here. We have His Word right here, and uh, like you said, sometimes our phones more important than the Word of God. We pick it up hundreds, tens, dozens of times a day, and we might pick this up once a day, or every other day, or once a week, or every other month, or whatever. We sure take the Bible for granted. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think about that too. Like some people that actually got to see Jesus face to face still didn't believe, you know. We're still human the same as they were, we still have trouble accepting and understanding and receiving His grace mm-hmm. and making that connection. But we don't take the warning in the Bible serious because, like every time Israel uh, turned their back on God, He brought them troubles, He was captured, and that. But he brought them back. But we've turned our back, and the amount of Christians is dropping instead of increasing in this country. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we got the Bible, but we're not trying to look back and learn anything from the past. Yeah. I was just looking at, uh, I was writing, trying to finish writing a sermon today, and I didn't finish, but I was looking up. Some statistics in the United States, 70, I think it's like 77% of the United States claims Christianity, but it's only like 29% that would consider themselves evangelical, which just means gospel-driven, Bible-believing people. 
So 29%. And of those 29%, how many of them are really living faithfully? You know, it, it's easy to say, yeah, I'm a, I, I grew up in a Baptist church and I'm a member of a Baptist church, but that doesn't mean that, that you're following, you know. So I think the percentage is even less than than 29, honestly, uh, which is just a it's an insane thought. But, uh, you know, his word says narrow, narrow is the path to righteousness and broad is the gate to destruction. And when you think about 10 or 15 percent of the people that are the gospel living a gospel centered life, you know, it's that's what it is. But. Yeah. To show the way the world is, we have a temporarily at least we have a Bible-believing leader of the Congress, so he's being called right. Yeah. Or a hundred years ago, everybody would would have claimed that, you know, or many people would have. The question is, how long is God going to let us go downhill? Though he finally said, enough is enough. To live as Christ and to die is gain. Take me home, I reckon. All right, Francis, imagine what it must have been like for Moses and Israelites who at that point didn't know God all that well. He imagined what their thoughts and expectations must have been. Some of them, no doubt, would have been a little off. We too can be a little off in our thoughts of God before coming to know Him. So the question would be, before you came to know God, what thoughts and assumptions did you have about Him? In what ways can you relate to Moses and the Israelites' thoughts or assumptions about God? I have my answer written down, but I'll wait for somebody else's answer. Before you came to know God, what were your thoughts and assumptions about Him? Or did you have any? Sorry, go ahead. You don't have to raise your hand. Just speak out. Uh, my thing would be <coughs> believing that I can just live however I want to live. Even though the Bible says that, you know, Jesus says, hey, I'll pray for the help of this, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm still like, okay, I'm just going to do it anyways because I believe in him. That's enough, you know. And I used to think that the ultimate goal was just to get to heaven. And now, like, and I complain a lot. I still catch myself complaining a lot. But I'm like, oh, I'm sorry for complaining about my job. I'm happy I have it. And I think it's a job. And I started trying to say things to people. The complaint that I thought was like one of the biggest things with him that he didn't like probably was the complaining about the blessings that he's given me and how they just wasn't good enough for my standards, you know. But, and then, but as far as what I'm however I want it, it was now, like, people are like, well, you know, just because you do this or you do that doesn't mean you're not going to make it into heaven. I mean, that's not the goal. The goal is to be Christ-like in every manner. You know what I mean? Which is painful. It's terrible at times. But still, <laughs> I got a food problem. You know what I mean? I love to eat, and I don't eat the way that God has designed my body to eat. You know what I mean? So therefore, I idolize food at times. So it's like, I got to be careful there. But even like this certain good fruit, the more I read, the more I find out, like, 
mouth, nor shall hear it, nor shall bear. And I know that Jesus died for me. So I know that I'm going to heaven regardless. But it's like the ultimate goal is to try to be more like him and less like me. Yeah. It's and it's interesting how the more the more desire you have to know God, the more wretched you view yourself, like, oh my gosh, I'm such a mess. But then the more you desire to know God, you you read things like the Lord our God is merciful and gracious. So the more you read, the more you and, and the more you fellowship and all these things, the more you understand about God's nature and the more you understand about your own depravity all at the same time. Like I'm such a hot mess and you're it's a daily reminder of of why you are living the life that you live to try to be more Christ like. But like you said, it is a it's a real challenge. I find it to be a a pretty intense challenge personally. Uh, a good challenge, but uh, a difficult one. He definitely has righteous anger or or righteous uh, assertiveness for sure. I don't know. I, I assume that he would call it righteous anger. Um, and I think one of those one of these questions, if we get to it tonight, um, discusses what you said. Like, how do we, without the Word of God, how do we truly understand how how God is? And, and I hope we get to that. Moses returned down. I'm sorry. Oh, before you came, you're really paying attention. Before you came to know God, what thoughts and assumptions did you have about him? Uh, I didn't. I didn't care. I was fine just living and dying. You weren't even concerned. There were times where I was, but there were times I leaned more on, uh, well, I'm just going to live my life and I'm going to die. And I'm gonna be dead, and I was fine with that. So I wasn't. And so many people think of and know God as love, so they don't think and you know think of Him as a you know God that's gonna like as long as I do good, you know, and I'm not killing anybody or doing anything bad, you know, really bad, you know, I'm still gonna go to heaven. Cause they think you know if God is the God of love. He's not going to condemn me to, to hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that Santa Claus mentality of God is maybe more dangerous than a God who's vengeful and unforgiving. It might be a little bit more dangerous. Yeah. Because you just think that you know, <clears throat> it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and, and he's just going to cuddle me and love me no matter how wicked I am. And so you just do whatever, whereas if, if you did have the God Almighty is vengeful and watching over me, like at least there's some, you know, incentive to, to live, try to live yeah. righteously. So I mean, I don't, you hear a lot of people saying, you know, well, you know, you know, I'm not a 
Yeah, and the and the gospel doesn't. It's hard to make sense of the gospel at times. You hear, I've heard sermons. Uh, what do they call it? The foolishness of the cross. You know, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. For whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. So, the only unforgivable sin is not believing the gospel. That's the only one. Like murder, murderers can make it. Rapists can make it. All these sins we uh, uh, put on this. It's, we've got a hierarchy of sin, but there's only he says there's only one uh, that can't be forgiven, and that's living your life not knowing the truth, and uh, and that understanding only comes through sharing the gospel and, and seeking to understand it. You know what Mary said about reading the gospels and realizing there is wrath from God. Uh, someone said something a while back talking about. Fearing, fearing the Lord, and somewhere there, probably or somewhere, it says something about the fear of the Lord is getting wisdom or something like that. I think it's a verse in there. And as a Christian who you've got the Holy Spirit living within you, and that gives you peace, it gives you the feeling of acceptance, the feeling of His love is there available. I don't know, it's kind of when someone said something to me about fearing the fear of the Lord and fearing God, I I don't know, I'm trying I've been processing that. What's I don't know that I do. I don't should I you know, I'm just kind of processing that because uh, I feel pretty comfortable with who I am and who, or who the Lord is actually where it doesn't matter if it's so much as who I am, but in him, who I am in him that covers all of Badness I bet Noah had a healthy fear once the rain started falling. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, he was being serious. And I think that's the way I perceive it. Like, uh, what God says is true. And he says, you know, if you don't follow, if you choose not to follow me, to hell you go. You know, and I'm not, like like he said, I'm not living, I'm not living solely to to reach heaven. Like, that's not the point of my Christianity. The point of my that's a great reward in the end, but the point is to glorify God right now while I, while I have the opportunity here on earth. And then when I die, I'll go into a new season of life forever, you know, with Him. So 
And I think that's what Jesus meant when he said, I've come that you may have life abundantly. Because if we leave it to ourselves for an abundant life, we're, we you know, abundant life in a worldly definition is money and comfort. Well, we see all around us that that doesn't please anybody. It might please you for a while or you might die pleased with riches and earthly treasures, but that's not the abundant life, you know. Did you hear have the people say, well, God ain't going to send anybody to hell. But if you stop and think, he sent his son down here to be crucified and all the pain and suffering he went through. To me, that means that he ain't going to have much mercy on somebody who don't believe. Mm-hmm. Well, technically, he's not going to send us to hell. We're going to send ourselves to hell if we didn't. We've done it for ourselves. Francis said, um, let me think of what he said before I just make something up. What did he say? Somebody tell me what he said. He said, who are we to decide? You know, he's talking about the first things God said was he was merciful and gracious. And who are we? How are we to decide who God is? God is who he is. We don't get to decide. And you hear a lot of lost people say, well, how can God allow babies to die how can god allow all these that guy in australia to get chomped in half by a shark how can he allow that well he's the one that gave that guy life in the first place you know um i just hear that over and over how can god do this how can god do that well we don't get to decide how god gets how god chooses to do things we just sort of have to accept it you know it's hard to do sometimes but uh that's the nature of following god is that he's the one that makes the decisions not us uh and i think i think part of fear in god is is understanding that he's got our be- even through death and tragedy and all these terrible things that happen on earth uh he's for us and he's the one that provides peace through uh problem earthly problems you know so um to understand that like when tragedy happens you see people go through terrible things and they have a, a serious amount of peace about them um, if they're if they're in Christ especially uh, people can get through things without God but God is the one that provides the eternal peace like I don't know I'm not making sense probably but um, I just thought it was neat what he said but who are we to decide what, what God is like God's the one that gets to decide that uh, and he's already decided but, but I hear people say that all the time. So we may, we may be hesitant to seek God because of things we've done, but Francis said that one thing we must understand is that God wants to forgive. Do you find it hard to believe that God wants to forgive you? Why or why not? And how would your relationship with God change if you were convinced that God was, is merciful and wants to forgive you? We all got to believe that He is going to forgive us. If not, then the whole living system is non existent. Mm-hmm. Well, He must want to forgive us or He wouldn't have sent His Son here to die on the cross to cover our sin. You know, that that mm-hmm. was all intentional. That was the plan. <laughs> yeah, as I think about this too, like, do you find it hard to believe that God wants to forgive you? I know that I'm forgiven, but that doesn't mean that there's times where I don't just 
lay in uh, I don't know how to how to explain it like sort of waller in in uh, sin not not in sin but like past sins or or thinking certain things about myself like uh, I'm not worthy I'm not worthy to preach on Sundays or I'm not worthy to pastor this church well if God is merciful and gracious and and, and he says that that we are forgiven then we should have a posture of belief that we are forgiven so to tell ourselves things like I'm not worthy to pastor this church or to I'm not uh, I shouldn't try to tell somebody else how to live their life when I'm I'm a wretched sinner myself well that's a slap that's a slap in the face of Jesus as he's crucified on the cross you know if we, if we waller in our sin and sit around moping and depressing uh, you know depressed about uh, our humanity is is sort of slapping God in the face I think as a Christian yeah yeah, it's letting Satan win, you know. You know we did, but sometimes you just wonder what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which should give us gratitude, like thank you, God, for saving me, and I'm sorry I'm sitting here uh, moping and complaining. Give me the give me the energy to move past that, you know, and and glorify you, you know. We're crucifying once again, and we can't have that doubt. Yeah. Or you know, take the cross for granted. Or, yeah. You know, first finding each day ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I didn't. It didn't take the first time. Jesus, let's. You know, I'm going to sit here and feel sorry for myself today, and and uh, whatever, whatever it is, you know. Yeah, I just I think it's sort of an insult to, honestly. You know, sometimes you say you're not worthy of preaching or witness everything, but look at the. The disciples that Jesus picked, they weren't the highly educated people in religion. Mm-hmm. They were fishermen and common people. And you say, he took one of them, look, the preachers he made out of them. Yeah. You have to get through it, but you're going to tell somebody else about it. I don't know. You really tripped me out because I thought it was him talking, and I was looking at him, and his and his mouth wasn't moving. I was like, "Am I hallucinating up here?" What's going on? <laughs> say it again. What'd you say? The air is human. Forgive is divine, and it's it's not human to forgive. Yeah, it's not. So why it's not natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why we can't believe it. And that's why we have a hard time because we want to keep scores. Yeah. Exactly. A couple of years ago, before I got saved, okay, um, just the sin that I was in, just like, I was just sick about it all the time. And I remember driving one time listening to 93.3 just in tears and they were talking about this and they were talking about how you know you just stay in bondage in your sin and it keeps you from being able to move on and it just struck me they said you have to surrender your sin or whatever it was and that was like such a turning point for me you know and I got saved shortly after that but it's just Sometimes it still does that to me. I think about the sin and I feel like I am like in chains or something. You know? Well, I think too that 
I, I think God teaches us things through our suffering, and sometimes our suffering is our our own fault, sort of. And that doesn't mean we need to remain in sin so that God teaches us something, but I'm sure many of you have noticed that some things uh, easily have escaped your life, but other things have remained. And I think God teaches us lessons through that. Like Paul talked about having a thorn in the side. He didn't really specify what that was, I don't think. Uh, but he wasn't perfect either, you know. Um, so I think, I don't know, I think I think we need to be patient with when God decides to, to make us holy in certain areas. I mean, sometimes we just... Sometimes it's hard to escape sin. It's you. It's gripping you so hard, but you don't, don't you can't let it bog your entire life down. You know. Um, Just remember David and many times that he sinned, and God took him back and blessed him. Yeah, and he remained in Jesus Jesus's lineage even through it. You know, through the sin. that there's like a guilt it's a healthy guilt that causes to, to repent and then there's an unhealthy guilt which causes us to doubt God's mercy and you know that if it's not bringing us re- repentance and it's just bringing us you know away from the Lord that's that's kind of the measuring stick we have to stop and say which which one are you going to repent or are you going to just sit here and like said waller you know in it and i think that's a normal part of of our walk is 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 repenting it and it says that god separates us as far as from east from the west and visualizing that you know and just sending our ship setting afloat and burning on fire we need to do but you know trying to determine which guilt is healthy and which guilt is unhealthy my good friend Mac Marie always says, and I'm sure he heard this from somebody else, uh, guilt is from Satan and conviction is from God. So if we feel convicted about certain things and we're, away, we're, we're able to, to grow and push it aside, that, that conviction most likely has come from the Lord. But the guilt that we decide to just waller in is from Satan. You know, I'm I'm guilty. I'm not. I can't preach this Sunday. I'm I'm a wretched man. You know, that's well, that's Satan. You know, that's not. He uses that to even though we he has no control over us, and he we are no longer in his grasp to take the help with him. He can do that, and by keeping us wallowing in that, be a unaffected witness to somebody he already has. You know, the one we've to hell that we can't, you know, take another child of God away from him to go with us. So he uses us as his pawn to keep as many people as he can. Francis flipped ahead to Ephesians we were dead in our trespasses and sins and deserving of wrath. How do we treat our enemies? What does it say about God that He is eager to forgive His enemies rather than treating them like we would? 
That's a lot of questions. Uh, I spoke about that Sunday like for us to get angry at a lost person is sort of sort of a waste of time like what's our expectation you know so if 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 we think about an enemy well a Christian brother or sister shouldn't be an enemy an enemy would be a lost person should be you know in a, in a, in a perfect world but um, what do we expect from people that are living without Jesus you know are we going to get mad when somebody cusses us out? You know, we should we should be able to let that slide, you know, and do what you say and walk away. You know, I don't think we need to remain like if somebody's cussing us out, I don't think we should make it our aim to give them a great big hug and chase them around all day and try to do we might because we might end up getting me personally. If somebody's cussing me out, I'm going to be annoyed. So I need to probably just exit the situation and it, it all depends on the scenario. Like if I'm going to see the person again, if I'm not going to see the person again, you know, we have to think about all of our interactions in that way. Am I am I going to have an opportunity to pour into this person again? Is this a random person at a Walmart in Alabama? Do I just need to flee and leave? Like I'm not going to be around this person anymore. Should I just pray for this person as I walk off? Should I, they're already mad. Should I share the gospel with them right now? You know? <laughs> Do what? Don't laugh out too hard. Yeah. Yeah. Not done that until you get done, you say far out. <laughs> 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 oh. That's all stupid. Whatever you do, don't call them an idiot. They're ignorant of what they're doing. Yeah. I see one woman in uh, customer service, the person on the phone. I mean, he was calling her everything in the book. I mean, he just went on and on. When he got done, she said, sorry, sir, I had to leave the phone for a minute. What were you discussing? Uh, that made him even more mad, probably. <laughs> well, kids in grade school used to say, I know you are, but what am I? Continuously. Let's see if we have any questions that summarize this. I'm bleeding up here. I picked skin off of him. Hmm. Here's a good summarizing question that kind of puts this into action. God wants us to show mercy because He's merciful. He wants to give grace because He's gracious. He saves us because He loves us. He loves us because He is love. We have the opportunity to, to do good works or show others His love, grace, and mercy through our actions. 
what opportunities do you have to do good works today? Or tomorrow, today's almost over. How are we gonna show good works tomorrow at work or at uh, wherever we go? What is that verse? It's uh, it's something about to pray for your enemies. It's like yeah, being good to them is is like yeah, heaping coals upon their head. Like you said, you pray for blessings for your enemies, and when good things are happening to them, it's like like dumping hot coals on their head or something. I can't quote it verbatim, but. What opportunities do you have to do good works today? And the and the to resummarize, um, God saves us because He loves us, and He is love. And uh, we have opportunities to show and do good works to others uh, because of His love, grace, and mercy. We can show people. We can show people God through our actions. How 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 are we going to do that? One thing that I had happen to me multiple times is I'm a reactionist, and when I get upset, I can I can be very blunt, very cruel, and very harsh. And over the years of walking in faith, I've learned to control that much better than I used to. And now, over time, I've seen the fruit of that come back. Like we're in a situation where I really just wanted to just let loose and I restrained myself. And then later on, I saw the, the fruit from that, you know, like somebody coming back and say, hey, you know that time and, and, and I, and you didn't say anything. Yeah, and, and it's, but it's hard. It's, it's, not, it's not something that comes natural to me. It's not, it's not. I, um, I, really I, know wanna, I really want to go Bill Ab, and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you remember when Dad was like this? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> He's not anymore. What is it, Mr. Bob? It could be just as simple. Somebody that didn't make it to church like Sunday, give them a call and say, how are you feeling or we missed you. For doing it good, I mean, sometimes it's a small thing like that. Yeah. I just carry a couple of like five or ten dollar like food gift cards, like to different restaurants or gas cards or something. I don't know how many times I've been walking out like at a gas station and saying, "Hey, you know, do you have any money? Because you know my car's here and I need I don't have money for gas and I need to get down, you know, so far." You have a twenty dollar gas card, you know, if they're actually needing the gas, just you can hand them that card, you know, and say, you know, here's this so to, to help them out. So just like little small things like that and just see somebody who needs it and they're asking for the help, then if they need it, they have it, if not, then you know, it's I'm excited about this this opportunity with this Riley from uh, this boy that's coming and still doesn't feel like a reality that's coming just because I don't, it's no, I, I don't think it's any coincidence that 
we went, we, Paula, we flew across the world, didn't we? We did. We flew all the way to Long Reach. We did. We did. did. It hurt my body. I still, I still can't hardly sleep at night and stay asleep. But um, it's no coincidence that we flew 10,000 miles or however far. And I happened to meet this woman who has a conversation with me about her son. And I do not recall her saying that her son was coming to the United States. She was just sort of venting about her son. I think she was talking about, I I said something and then she was like, I enjoyed what you said about this. And then she led into talking about her son. Well, it's no, it's no coincidence to me that this boy is in the United States now. His friend has left him, has abandoned the trip. They've been planning this trip for months and his friend leaves and now he's here alone. And we have the opportunity to um, show him hospitality. And uh, I, I think what I'm getting at is saying yes to things that we perceive as an inconvenience sometimes, like giving somebody a ride, or if somebody asks you to go do something and you think, I'm tired, I really don't have the energy for that. Instead of grumbling about things, saying yes. We, we, we should not say yes to everything that comes our way, I don't, I don't believe, but just think about the gravity of what I'm talking about. I've never been to Australia. I've never been to Longreach, Australia. I didn't even, I knew one person from there and her family. But just think of how quick this has come about. And maybe, you know, God has a plan for that boy. And, and maybe his plan and my plan is not the same. Obviously, it never is. It rarely is anyways. But um, just, just, just give God a yes and be obedient and walk in what he's got for you, I think, is, you know, think about the people that you encounter. Uh, like, the, for me, it'd be like the front desk. I was just thinking about this last night as I couldn't sleep about the people that I encounter at the YMCA every single day I walk to that front desk and I scan that card and I walk on and I'm like I've seen this person time and time again and I choose to do I choose I have conversations with people there but there's many people that I just walk by I go do what I came to do and I leave and I'm thinking is that okay the question is what opportunity do you have to do good works today well walking by that person and saying nothing is not going to do any good you know so i think just opening your mouth and and saying hello to people and loving people and finding ways to intentionally share the gospel with people especially people that you see on a consistent basis it's hard to share the gospel with somebody that you're never going to see but if you have a a, just the smallest relationship with somebody there's going to be an open door and i think that's uh that's the most god glorifying thing we can, we can feed the hungry and we can do all of these things, but it's those little small relationships. The front desk lady at the YMCA, maybe you open your mouth one time and share the gospel with her and she comes to faith and her life has changed forever. You know what I mean? But I choose many times to just walk by. Why is that? I don't know. So, so that's conviction, not consideration. That's conviction. I would consider that conviction and not guilt. <laughs> That's God. God's already told us to open our mouth and share the gospel. And I choose not to do it on many occasions. That would be conviction, I would say. This reminds me of the lady in that movie, The War Room. You know, she prays for God to send her one particular person that she can minister to and help make them Christ. And once she, you know, she completes that mission, you know, then she says, Lord, send me another one. You know, and it just so she's doing just one person at, at a time, and 
know, and I, I'm, I try and want to do that, but I'm just, I just, I bet I just need to continue and pray and, you know, that, you know, be, to have that kind of bold faith to pray a prayer like that. What's our Bible verse, Rodney? Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Yeah, feels like we've, we've, us deacons, are, we've set an alarm on our phone. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. And at 10 o'clock, 10.02 every day, our alarms are all going off at the same time. Luke 10.2? Yep. That ought to be easy to remember. Yep. And it says, And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So this means people people want to and need to hear the gospel, and we are the laborers. So let's open our mouths and share it instead of walking by and saying nothing. Well, I already don't really have like a relationship. If I make the people at the front desk of the YMCA mad by sharing the gospel, well, I can just go back to I can go just back to the I can beep scan by and walk on you know but I've done I've done I'm obedient if I if I share you know so it's conviction when you're walking for him and it's not always it's conviction when I'm all the way down here in Bellevue well we get in such a hurry it's like I came here to work out well did I or did I come here so that I could share the gospel with this lady right here at this desk you know do you think it would be easier for you you know, if you introduced yourself, I'm pastor at Sunset Church. Is there anything I can pray for you about? Oh, there's all kinds of routes and avenues you can take to get right to it. Is that it. hard for you to say that? Uh, depends on the situation. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. Especially if the person's easy going, it's easier. I get better all all the time, and that's good. Progressive sanctification is a thing. Uh, what I'm not going to do is wallow in the in the guilt. I didn't share the gospel with this lady today. I'm God's going to smite me because of it. No, he's not. But I should do it tomorrow. You know. That verse you all using this before it says fields is white. Yeah, it's probably. And what that means that the grain is dead ripe and ready. If you postpone, you're going to lose it. Yeah. Yeah. Because when wheat or grain get dead right, it gets white. And then that long after that, it starts falling out on the ground. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it says the harvest is plentiful, meaning the people are ready. You know, we just got to be faithful. Faith comes by hearing, they got to hear it from somebody. Might as well be us. We're out of time unless y'all want to stay longer. <laughs> Somebody want to pray us out here? I don't know what next week is. I can't remember. I've got it printed off. It's. I remember Justice was week five. Other than that, I can't remember. He's loving. I know God's loving. That's got to be in there somewhere. Joyful, I think, is another one. So come back next week, and we'll learn more about the heart of God. Rodney, would you like to pray us out here? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to come together read your word and how you play to discuss it to apply to our lives and our hearts and, and, uh, and to realize how, uh, how loving you are and how gracious uh, you are and how thankful we should be for your loving grace. We just pray that you will uh, 
helps to open our mouths, as Kim says, and encourages us to open our mouths and, uh, and speak up right here. Uh, may we all be a walking testimony each and every day in all that we do. Others may see Jesus in us, uh, even when we're not intentional about it. But uh, your love will be, will be available there and be seen. We thank you for this time together. We pray for all those who are part of this, on our hearts and minds, that, that need your hand at this time and healing and confrontation with them. Be with us through the rest of this week. Amen. Mm-hmm.